kailai every my day. Excuse me? I welcome to find time kind. What is... Huh? <laughs> let's keep, let's keep that in the episode. Uh, and Amber just said, "Welcome to Phantasma Coffers, the first ep- oh, the first episode of Phantasma." Is Coppers. that what she said? Yeah. Speaking in cursive. Stop. Speaking in cursive. I hate you. So, um, uh, this is Phantasma Coffers, which is going to be a recurring sub podcast, as it were, uh, occurring in. Every fifth week of the Phantasmal Treasure podcast, Phantasmal Coffers is going to be covering the, the events of the last four weeks. In this case, we're going to be going over episodes one, two, three, and four. Although, as you may have noticed, we don't have an episode three because of technical difficulties. Woo! The lost episode. Woo! The, the cursed episode. <laughs> God, that day was cursed. That was a really good one, which is sad, but... Man, that was such one. a good yeah. one. Oh my god. That was literally, like, our best one, and I'm mad about it. And we lost it. So, episode one was three dragons, a bush, and a cat walking to a bar. For some reason, dear listeners and uh, my co-hosts, I forgot to have my Google Doc open that, um had all my notes about this, so I wanted to talk about. So, who remembers, like, the major conflicts of episode one? Uh, I don't... I don't... (laughs) (laughs) I threatened to have Eunice eaten. Yes, you did. I remember that. Um, so, essentially, in episode one, the reason it's called Three Dragons, a Bush, and a a cat, I think it was, walking to a bar, is because they de-escalated a bar fight. Um, I do want to mention... And, you know, we're two dragons, a bush, and a cat, so... Yeah. Uh, so the um, party is has three dragons or dragon adjacent creatures, uh, a bush and a cat. I'm the bush. So I did want to mention during this fight, during this thing, uh, you guys de-escalated the Tipsy Tengu um, adventurers out of game. They had they had they were they had a name. Uh, they were debating between the burning banshees and the splendid spelunkers. They went. Sh- they knew they wanted alliteration, but they weren't sure about which one to go for. Ooh, Wait, could I you see like the, the banshees one again? Burning Banshees. Burning Banshees. Interesting. Time to go with that one. (laughs) Well, they're all dead now. Uh, Yeah, they are. Did I miss something? (laughs) No, no, no. It's a joke. But they are literally the stereotypical adventuring party: a halfling rogue, an elven wizard, a human cleric, and a dwarven barbarian drunk in a tavern after adventuring. That's literally like all the stereotypes. And then we're over here. (laughs) Yeah, just out there. I didn't actually expect you guys to be able to de-escalate them, to be honest. Because of how simply charming because, they are. Uh, simply because I didn't really know um, how it would go. I was ho- hoping you would, and I was also hoping you wouldn't because I love running the game. And stretching out encounters means I get more time running the game. Wow. You just like to ruin your day. And then before that though, when you guys were talking to the voices, that was so unexpected that you guys were talking back to him. Like, I remember I specifically said that he short circuits for a second. And that was because I did. And if you listen to the episode, I actually edited out like three to five seconds of silence as I was like, are they, how would he respond? Uh-huh. Like internally, I was just like. We're just friendly uh, people. We don't fight because we're not good at it. Yeah, true. I think it was mostly Tony that was. Uh, yeah, Tony, yeah. you a little bit. Because I do specifically remember, like, uh, he says something about, like, I need the best of the best. And then you said, with all your level one confidence, we are the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, I just kind of went, yeah. All the level one confidence. All the level one 18 hit points, 16 hit points confidence. Oh, no. Listen. Listen. 
listen, I don't know what you expected from me. You knew what was going to happen as soon as you asked me to join this. I did not. That's the best part, is that you knew you wouldn't know what was going to happen. That's how you knew. That's what makes podcasting fun. Ooh, I did edit out several encounters, or edit them severely. For instance, the adventurers weren't supposed to jump in, or even be there at all for the skeleton fight. The locations of some combats changed a little bit, and I did my best to offer diplomatic solutions in the menagerie, which is in a further episode. That I still don't remember. That's valid. Uh, You guys saved- you guys got a little kid- a little wizard boy from smashing a shop. Something I did want to mention here is that Eunice is actually like a side character mentioned once in the book. It's expected to just send him off on his merry way, but like considering all of us here are decently empathetic, I figured yeah. that wasn't going to happen. No. And the last time we met an NPC that we were supposed to just kind of do something with, we adopted them. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? I was talking about literally any NPC we run into. That's valid. Oh yeah, um, something I mentioned is I did mention at the very beginning of episode one when I was giving like the exposition about like the Radiant Festival and stuff. I mentioned that was pushed back last the last time it was supposed to happen a hundred years ago. Um, I wasn't very clear on why. I know none of you are very well versed on Pathfinder lore. Essentially, Aridin, who is Fantasy Jesus, died. Did you just say Aridin? Yeah, we had this conversation before. (laughs) Yeah, so basically he. There's a real Jesus. I hate you. <laughs> so essentially, he he was like a really big figure, and like the whole point. Also, this current age, this current era that like Galarian is in, is called the Age of Lost Omens, because he was the god of prophecy. And when he died, all of the prophecies became unreliable. Um, mm. Which is actually something that I really like because um, prophecies that direct players to, can say those five players, but then if one player dies, you can pulling another dude that was like oh yeah the prophecy broke so like not everything's gonna happen like that it's essentially like a way to say that dice have meaning now you know what i mean yeah like it's an in-universe way of saying yeah the prophecy says these guys will win but they may not who cares moving on episode two was home alone lost in absalom that was uh does anyone remember no i don't remember any episodes except the lost Uh, one so listen to the podcast um so, as Ren mentioned, there was three major things in this one. Um, a skeleton fight, where you fought four skeletons and then two adventurers jumped in to help. Hell yeah. <laughs> a place where you de-escalated a goblin encounter and almost got your pickles fried. And then you went around for like an hour, half an hour or something like that with Eunice trying to figure out what his master is. Yeah. And I had to scramble a little bit to write for that too, because again, he's a minor character. But also... We don't care. <laughs> but I will also say... His master is tied in, but we'll get to that when we get to that at the end of this book. Or maybe at the end of the next book. Who's to say? When he shows up and kills all of you. Oh, I mean, they're subscribed to our podcast. (laughs) Oh, um, so something I did have mentioned here. So something that I do, dear listeners and fellow co-hosts, I will write down in in a private channel in our Discord, which we have a Discord for organizing everything. The recall knowledge checks. So essentially how recall knowledge works is you spend one of your three actions for the GM to roll a check in secret. Uh, a skeleton guard, which is what you guys were fighting, has a DC 13 religion check to, fig- uh, to figure out the first thing. And then it goes up to 15, 18, and then 23 as you gain more knowledge. Uh, as you keep on trying, I, I suppose. Uh, so like one of the things I had there is like if you got a success, I would pull from a list of three things. Like one of them would be like skeletons resist both piercing and slashing damage. Or... Skeletons and violence undead, mental effects won't work on them, stuff like that. 
Um, because Tony's character, Tessara, actually has dubious knowledge. That's a skill feat that essentially says if you fail a recall knowledge check, you you get a piece of correct information and a piece of incorrect information. And we hope for the best. Yep. The dubious knowledge one uh, was skeletons tend to have the ability to sneak attack, which means they deal 1d6 or more damage to flat-footed creatures. What I try to do with dubious knowledge or critical failure uh, false information checks is that um, I try to make it so that way you, with that information your tactics would change, if that makes sense. Because if it's like, oh yeah, skeletons uh, can survive indefinitely without food, like yeah, that's true, but like that doesn't impact how they're being run. If that makes sense. That doesn't impact the PC's tactics. Uh, like, one of the critical failures that, if you guys had rolled a critical failure, I'd, if I recall, none of you got even a success or a critical success or anything like that. If anyone got a critical failure, one of my things was, um, these aren't skeletons. They're constructs. Electricity damage should interfere with the magical energy animating them, slowing them down. The thing is, skeletons resist cold, fire, and electricity damage. So if you change your tactics to fight them as if they were constructs, you would actually be uh, messing up. But that's because you got a critical failure. So that's like something I like to do is I just like type out all stuff. Uh, what were you guys' opinions on like this on like the the first two episodes, skeleton fight, uh, Larry Godrell, Eunice? Um, if I remembered it, I'm sure I would say it was great. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Um, From what I do remember, um, it was pretty fun. I thought it was interesting, honestly. I do my best. We constantly just take kids. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> phrasing, hun. Amber Ren, opinions? Um, I like Eunice, even though I tried to eat him. <laughs> you didn't try to eat him. You mothis <laughs> wanted to eat him. Your, your big <laughs> cat did. <laughs> well, you control both characters. Um, one of them is, is also an NPC, which is actually really fun that both that two out of three members of this party have an additional NPC. Don't call Ethi an NPC. Ethi's an NPC. No. I'm kind of sad Amber doesn't because um, roleplay possibilities. Like if you had a familiar, yeah. I could have like the familiar say, maybe you should do this next. I mean, we could uh, we could talk about maybe gaining one, but we'll see. It's just like been in your pocket the whole time. That's yeah. why we haven't seen it. It'd be cool. Yeah. Oh, episode three. Last episode. Essentially. <laughs> the best episode. <laughs> Yeah, like I practiced for like an hour my oh um my, my roost to cry or something because that's what um yeah. tries to sound like, and I'm sure it doesn't sound that great right now because I haven't done anything about it like four weeks, so I'm not even gonna try. But basically, like it was such a good episode, and I'm so mad because essentially what happened was Amber's audio didn't make it, and it was big sad. <laughs> yeah. We had to pull the plug. We had, yeah, uh, we had to put him down. We had to put him down. We took him out back and made him look at the flowers. <laughs> yep. Um, that's, I was thinking that phrase. Uh, one of the downfalls of doing a improv, especially a Dungeons & Dragons slash Pathfinder podcast, is if that happens, we're just we're out of luck. So like the Magnus Archives or Stella Firma or Station Arcadia, those are all podcasts I listen to. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Those are scripted, which means if they lose audio, they can just re-record it. Whereas if we re-recorded the episode, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, um, like we would have to figure out what they said when, how the conversation was going, the tone they should have used. I say it like we're not the people, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Or we could just say, yeah, just pretend you haven't played it before. But that's also just doesn't feel right. Right, yeah. Because yeah. then so of all this joke's gone, what was the point then? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> episode four was uh hoots and rusty hoots took uh, like 
a whole episode piecing together episode three and episode four to fight was Rusty was over in less than a round, which I'm still mad about. <laughs> it's the funniest part. Cause like I was like, yeah, I actually like Rusty was supposed to eat Amber's axe, and then she was gonna get a plus one axe. That was actually the reason that the blacksmith was supposed to give you a plus one weapon is because you guys are essentially sort of like freelance police officers, as we've talked about a little bit. So we're vigilantes. Not quite. You are like under the purview of the city. Okay, fine. We're paid vigilantes. Is that better? Also, I wanna. I just wanna emphasize a cab. That's all. A-cab. Yep. That's all I have to say. But, like, the writing of this, um, like, part of it, you're supposed to go into the menagerie for, like, some of the treasure. You're supposed to go into the menagerie, pick up items guests left behind in a panic, and say, yep, this is mine now. Which works if you're a regular adventurer. But you are officers of the law, agents of the state, and so it's... It doesn't work in that manner. If that makes sense? Yeah. Like, a regular... Yeah. Like, a regular adventurer, it'd be like, oh, a fun gray area, if you like. Or even, like, just straight up, it's fu- it's cool to be have an evil character every once in a while. But with the current political climate and, like, police and all that jazz... And us also hating police officers just in general? Yeah. It just doesn't work like that, especially if you're trying to portray it in a semi-honest way. Oh, um, another thing uh, I didn't want to mention. Um, Ren was wondering how I came up with Numas' name at one point. So... I actually named Numathus. His name is, I believe, Numathus Firemane, uh, Devourer of Stars, Eater of Worlds. <laughs> Sorry. So, how Eidolons work, he is basically a dead dragon whose mind lingered and made a pact with Numa- with Karitas to have a form again, have a second chance, if that makes sense. So, I named him instead of having Red name him. Uh, same thing with, like, it's not something your character would be able to name. It's something that they already have a name. The way I got that, fun fact, was I went to scryfall.com, which is a thing where you can look up Magic the Gathering cards. I looked for legendary dragons, and I saw Numat the Devastator. So I added this. T-H-Y-S. Numathis. That's that's how I got it. Because red dragons have this in their name a lot. Makes sense. What about... Wait, how did we get Evie's name? Uh, you made it. I don't remember how. Did I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we can all see, Tony has great memory. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. the best memory in all of the land, obviously. Oh, oh yeah, I was about to mention, I did a lot of heavy editing uh, in the menagerie. Like, everything that you fought so far has been a level below what it's supposed to be. Oh, we're just really bad at what we do. <laughs> uh, no, actually, just that you guys are missing a person. This is balanced for four players. You guys have three players. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. So, like... Beaktooth is supposed to be like a regular cockatrice. I took it down a level by applying the weak adjustments. Man, we just really suck at what we do. Oh my god. Tooth <laughs> <laughs> actually stayed the same uh, because I swapped the moderate and severe encounters. So essentially, the way it was originally set up was, if I remember correctly, it was moderate encounter, moderate encounter, uh, severe encounter. Um, Beaktooth, uh, Hoots, and Rusty, respectively. Rusty was supposed to be level 4, an elite rust monster. I took him down to level 2 as just a weak rust monster, so that way he'd be the moderate encounter and Beaktooth would be the severe encounter. Which, in hindsight, Beaktooth probably could have been reduced to level 2 and uh, Rusty to level 3 because um, Beaktooth handed, handed you guys. We don't talk about Beaktooth. We don't talk about Beaktooth. 
Fun fact about combat encounters in Pathfinder 2nd Edition, fun fact, um, the level of lethality is, it's expanded, it's magnified. Because in order to actually die, you have to go down four times, you have to go down once and keep failing death saves, something like that. So it feels a lot more deadly because you go unconscious, but it actually takes a minute for you to die. But obviously, like, you know, if you could fall unconscious, it's easier for everyone else to die because you lost your entire turn, basically. Just wanted to mention, point that out. So how we got uh, our name? Uh, so everyone, what's the name of our podcast? I'm sure you can answer this one. Fantasmal, Fantasmal Treasure. Treasure Podcast. And then tell you. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know what we were doing. All I heard was, you guys remember it all, right? And then just, Phantasmal <laughs> Perfect. So how we got that um, was basically, I went through Archives of Nethys, which is a f- great free tool for um, all the rules of Pathfinder and Starfinder and Pathfinder 2nd Edition and Junk. And I went through the, the, the spell name. One of my favorite actual play podcasts is Find the Path. That's also a spell. There's also like the Hideous Laughter podcast, which is also a spell. Uh, Dimension Door podcast, also a spell, etc. like that. And I was like, well, let's... Oh, and shout out to all of them, by the way. Um, fun fact, they're all great. I was like, well, let's also name ourselves after a spell. Then this episode being Phantasmal Coffers, uh, just was a, a play on words. Phantasmal Treasure, this is the coffers of those treasure, if that makes sense. What's a coffer? Uh, it's like a chest or like the treasury, as it were. That makes sense. Wait, isn't a coffer a Pokemon? Oh no, I'm thinking of coughing. <laughs> um, is it? No, what is it? What's the Pokemon's name? I don't know. Coughing. It's coughing. It is coughing? Yes. Yeah, because the other one's wheezing. <laughs> so we have 12 households that we're using, which I'm just going to go ahead and quickly run through. Three of them are um, proper house rules, like they, they're in the Game Mastery Guide. First one is Ancestry Peregrine. Basically, get more Ancestry feats. I just felt like more options is always better. Um, gradual Ability Boosts. Instead of getting all of your Ability Boosts at 5th level, or 10th level, 15th level, or 20th level, you get, basically, they're spread out. So it's not just like, I woke up and I have plus 4 stats. It's, no, you leveled up a little bit, so you get a little bit, not a huge jump. Uh, free Archetype. Uh, again, these ones I'm not going to go too much into because they're, they're online. Uh, you get it at every even level, you get additional Archetype feat. It's pretty straightforward. Critical initiative is my first one that I made. Essentially, if you roll a natural 20 on initiative, all enemies that don't act before you are flat-footed to you until the end of your first turn. So if you have the surprise attack class feature or a similar feature that would make foes flat-footed to you on the first round of combat, and you also roll a natural 20, then you additionally gain a plus one circumstance bonus to the first attack roll you make on the first round of combat. Essentially, I like to reward natural ones and natural 20s. And I don't like pulling out like critical hit cards or critical fumble cards. But this one was just like a very minor bonus on initiative, which I felt was appropriate. Anyone want to pick up number five and number six in the Households channel? Non-lethal incentive. If you have a special feature that lets you make non-lethal attacks without normal minus two penalties, such as by using a non-lethal weapon or feat, you gain a plus one circumstance bonus to non-lethal damage rolls in addition to dealing non-lethal damage. Additionally, if you use a weapon or unarmed attack with a non-lethal trait, there is no possibility of a creature bleeding out when reduced to zero hit points instead of a D6 flat check. DC6. So basically... Agents of Edgewatch allows everyone to make non-lethal attacks without penalty, because law enforcement. I was like, well, okay, if you're using a non-lethal weapon or a feat that lets you make your spells non-lethal or whatever, then you will gain a plus one bonus to the damage rolls, because that's incentivizing you to use weapons that are already non-lethal. 
instead of just saying yeah those are useless and the last bit um so essentially every time an enemy gets knocked to zero with a uh, with something that wasn't non-lethal, like something that's not like a sap or a whip or whatever, I roll a secret check on a one through five. They are still bleeding out, which you can ascertain with a um just like one seek action or whatever. Because like the police in the real world will use non-lethal methods, but they still sometimes kill people. And this is kind of <laughs> murder. <that>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is very they sometimes just you know. <laughs> it's like oh yeah. god. Sometimes, most of the time, it's on purpose. Um, sometimes like. Just stuff goes wrong, and I, I thought this was a good way to emulate that without like saying, "Yeah, you guys like killed everyone you come across." Uh, number six, expanded hero points. Who wants to pick up that one? I can do it. Expanded hero points. You can use your hero points in one additional way. You can spend a reaction and one hero point to apply the effects of a hero point to another character. Essentially, I was like, "Yeah, a heroic moment." Uh, let you spread that out a little bit. I don't think anyone's used a hero point yet. Uh, probably because you guys forget that you have them. I still don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I never We've will. We've explained it on the 3rd of October. Essentially, a hero point does one of two things, or three things with this one. One, you can spend a hero point to re-roll a check. So you can be like, oh yeah, this attack roll is very important. Let me re-roll that after I failed it. Or if you're bleeding We out, had an option to do that? I didn't know that. I would have used it on the talked about it like trees. I would have used it on the cockatrice like when times. I was trying to make it not get out. Oh my god. Wait. <laughs> three times. Wait a I'm minute. I'm stupid. Wait, man. wait, wait. Can you use a hero point once every, like, recording session we have? So, um, typically you get a hero point every session, but that's assuming the sessions are four hours long. I give one out at the beginning of every odd number uh, uh, session, and if you don't use that one by the end of the session, it's gone. By the end of, oh. um, by the end of the <laughs> next session, I should say. So you'll get one oh, next okay. session at level five, uh, session five. All right, that makes a lot of Me sense. Too. I thought it was like a, we have one and oh. good luck. Oh god, <laughs> man, we have one and that's also. It. If you do like a super heroic deed, like you sacrifice, like you do something like sacrifice yourself for your allies, or mm. usually you'll die from that. But yeah, you know what I mean. Bro, I do that on the daily. I almost die every round, and so does Ethy. Ethy sacrifices themselves for us constantly. Why does Ethy not have like a bajillion hero points, huh? Uh, because Ethy is stupid. Uh, no. <laughs> Don't call Ethy stupid. Number seven is improved wild empathy. Essentially, uh, it lets you use wild empathy um, with nature instead of diplomacy because i figured it was dumb that you had to invest into diplomacy to use your uh your talk to animals feature i also made a site where you can use it on beasts with a minus two circumstance penalty oh essentially wild empathy uh you can actually use it now you piece of trash <laughs> yeah know. stupid uh number mm. eight is shortened crafting which is basically you can use uh it's it's from the playtest rules essentially crafting low level items is faster uh, number nine is diplomatic relations. Essentially, you can find higher tasks of earned income or to find a common item with a level higher than your own by making a diplomacy or society check. Uh, 10, 11, and 12 are just quality of life things. Uh, you can use study runes onto shields instead of just having a study shield. Uh, treasure tab. Oh, that one's one that I like. So this is a tip for fellow GMs. Put anything that your players don't immediately use and they're okay with like spreading out among themselves like healing potions into a treasure tab or a channel on Discord. It's essentially like Schrodinger's bag. Everyone is assumed to have that healing potion in their pocket until the moment that someone grabs it. It's like a community ender chest for Minecraft. Yeah, um, ender chest. Number 12 is summoner spells. Essentially, uh, this is for Ren. Uh, essentially, you can 
use spells with a range of touch or that only target the castle on the Eidolon as if they were the castle or an adjacent creature, but only as long as the Eidolon is within 100 feet of everyone, uh, of the summoner. Additionally, if a spell has a range and only targets one creature, summoners can choose to target the Eidolon even if they are outside of the maximum range, but only if the Eidolon is within 100 feet. Essentially, you can target your Eidolon as if it was yourself. Like, that's how you're able to use the shield spell with Pneumathis and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's just quality of life that I thought was stupid that wasn't a thing in the first place. Do you guys have any rules questions? Uh, no. <laughs> Mm -mm. I'm gonna be honest, I'll probably forget it by 10 minutes, so... Yeah, not that they need it, but the Find the Path podcast, uh, they actually really inspired me to like get this all together. I think I'm the only one here that listens to them. Everyone that's listening to this right now, even though I'm sure all of our viewership is either my girlfriend or from the uh, Find the Path Discord, should go give them a listen. My grandma listens. Hey, go Gwen's grandma. <laughs> go get them to listen. They're really good podcasts. They're my favorite uh, actual play podcast. They actually inspired us, me, to do this in the first place, and I love them dearly. Also, this format is very similar to the after-party format of the Find the Paths podcast, where they get together every three episodes to talk about the last three episodes. A lot of podcasts do something like that, uh, like the Glass Cannon podcast, I don't really listen to them that much anymore, uh, gets together every episode, Critical Role gets together every episode, but their episodes are like two to four hours long. Yeah, they're a lot better at this than we are. <laughs> listen, we're doing our best. <laughs> We're also a bunch of teenagers in the house, so... Yep, and different houses, too. Different houses, yeah. Oh, um, so here's a question for Amber. Yeah. This was questioned by Find the Path Podcast. How do cat folks drink water? Like, can they put? Is it like lips? they drink, like... Is it like how they drink milk, where, like, they do the <clears throat> weird lick thing? That's what I was thinking. But, like, they're, they have, like, the face of a cat. How do they drink water? They can't put their lips. You know, I actually hadn't put much thought into that. But I would imagine... <laughs> Can we just say it's like how they drink okay, milk, okay. please? I'm begging you. <laughs> okay, they... Yeah, I guess they drink it like they drink milk. But, well... But, okay. Realistically, Aliara can speak, though, right? So, like... I mean, have you heard a cat speak? They can meow, they can hiss, they can make noises like, yeah, hello. They yeah, they can meow. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Question. Yes. So, does that mean Caritas... Drinks milk like that too. Possibly. <laughs> Ethy drinks milk like a fucking <laughs> golden retriever. Ethy just like will like have a bowl of water, break the water bowl, and then just like eat the chunks of the uh, bowl and then lick up the water. Ethy is kind of dumb. Ooh, so I, another thing. Uh, heal and line of effect from episode three slash four. Tony, I remember that in episode four you cast heal as three actions targeting pretty much everyone. Technically, you weren't able to get uh, Aliara because there was a wall in the way, because I forgot how line of effect works, but that's on me. That's not on you, because um, I know the rules the best out of everyone here. I'll say I do what I want, so... Yeah, but in the future. Also, creatures don't have to one-shot to be a problem. Like, Hoots could one-shot anybody, but, like, Rusty could deal a maximum of, like, four damage, same as... Uh, no, Rusty could deal a maximum of, like, ten damage and I had a hit uh, with really lucky dice rolls. Uh, Big Tooth could do a maximum of four, but they were still dangerous because they had other features. I'm gonna take this moment to talk about, like, uh, the situation, uh, recording-wise. Uh, due to the pandemic, we're all recording from home. Uh, this is mainly for our listeners, I know all of you know this. And so, everything isn't as soundproof as we would like it, especially considering all of us live with other people. Um, so basically- And I live with my parents. Yeah, I live with my- I think all of us live with our parents except for Amber. I'm working on moving out, but, like, stuff happens. 
Um, speaking of, if you want to donate financially to the podcast, just head on over to redcircle.com slash show slash Phantasmal Treasure Podcast. Um, the dashes between uh, the words of Phantasmal Treasure Podcast. And you can just give us money. Um, give us tips yeah, if you poor. like it out. Yeah. Please. I spent like, <laughs> yeah, please. And I'm joking around. But also, it would mean a lot. I'm not. <laughs> if uh, you're unable to support financially but still want to support the podcast, please reach out to your friends. You know, that's word of mouth is crucial for small podcasts and we are a very small podcast. Oh yeah, uh, something I did also want, did want to mention, just once I want to like pit a group of low level PCs, like levels one through three uh, against a, a extremely high level monster, like a pit fiend. Cause like, you guys know how sometimes I'm like, oh, does a 30 hit or something like that? Uh, a pit fiend has on its main attack, let's see, a pit fiend has a plus 40 to hit. Uh, oh, does a 48 hit? Oh yeah, that's a crit, you say? It'd be a 1-3 to three round combat with a character dying every round, but it would be hilarious. That'd, like, that oh, would be pretty funny. Does a 79 hit? Of course it hits. <laughs> yeah, there's not really much in terms of news on our end, because we don't, we're, we're very small. We don't do anything. <laughs> This is the, this is it for the podcast right now. We might branch out as if we get enough like um support, but as it stands, we're in the negatives. Uh, specifically, I'm in the negatives for supporting this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. If you don't want to donate, you don't have to donate. Um, if you do want to donate, that would be fantastic. If you can donate, yeah, donate. we if want you money. That's chill. <laughs> if you hate us, yeah. donate anyway. <laughs> Basically, not trying. To, I'm not trying to hop on the money aspect because this is more of a hobby than like a money thing. But also, I want to get stuff out of this because I have invested like a thousand dollars. Um. Anyway, anybody have anything they want to talk about? Um. Nope. <laughs> I'm excited to get into the more character aspects, especially to talk more about the backstories. Yep. That's fun. Yeah, that's gonna be fun. Cause like, not everything about the background. Cause I made sure everyone has like a couple of secrets, a couple of like background stuff that they're not willing to share or that they don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I was gonna say is that. <laughs> like Amber's character. Their secrets are out there. Uh, so is the Tony's. A little bit. I have secrets. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Tony, Tony, go into the pin messages of the Discord between you and me, just us. Stupid. Yeah, we've been new. Has my character art been posted? Yes. Um, like two weeks ago. We're, fun fact: we're recording this on the twenty fifth of November, which means it goes live in less than a week. We're working on stockpiling episodes so that way I was not as not a rush for me because I'm pretty much the the infrastructure of this. Everyone else just shows up and I <laughs> do everything else. Uh, so, uh, Ren. Yes. How about you talk a little bit about Caritas and New Mathis? Or Caritas, I never remember. Me either. Caritas was made up on the spot because <laughs> I suck. I felt that. And I decided he was a nice boy who liked magic and was trying to get better at magic. And then he met New Mathis, and New Mathis is like, hey, I'll give you more magic. And Caritas was like, sweet, except they don't get along at all now, and they, they binded each other to each other, and except. Numathus is like, hey, you should go kill that person. And Caritas is like, what? No, we gotta help them. It's like, and- oh, wait, wait, wait. They're- hold on, hold on. Sorry. This They're the vine where it's just like, what do you want? Exactly. The souls of the innocent. No! Two bagels. <laughs> they're exactly that vine. Yeah, I think Caritas, uh, not Caritas, Numathus is chaotic evil and. Essentially, his like. Caritas is lawfully good. Yeah, essentially, his mind is like floating in the astral sea, and uh, Caritas is like, I can't do magic that well. And then this dude was like, But you can summon me and I'll give you magic. 
and that's basically how it happened. And now the like essences are intertwined. They don't get along, but they also care a lot about each other and will fight for each other. Well, because if one of you dies, the other one does. Uh, at least that's... Also because of relationship. Except Numathus wouldn't say that, because Numathus is mean. Yeah, Numathus is um a stupid... Um, he edgy. He's very edgy. Three edgy for you. Uh, Amber, <laughs> Eliora. So am I just doing like a basic little like rundown, basically? Yeah, like um, like maybe a little bit of backstory, that sort of thing. Okay. Um. Uh. Perfect. Well, basically, yeah, <laughs> that's Eliora. <laughs> nah. Um. Basically, she grew up um in the foreign quarter, and she's a cat folk. She's very much so like a friendly person but she's not necessarily like outgoing outgoing uh but she believes a lot in you know de-escalating situations like as you should especially as, as a you should police as a officer. police officer yeah yeah facts yeah and she really loves her community uh loves her family um and also loves music i know like it hasn't come up but i'm like rereading a little bit about what we wrote too um, and I forgot she she plays a Mabira, the little Mabira thing. You gotta like, yeah, I gotta bring that up. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah, everyone look up what that is because like, it's hard to describe what it what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, we will get into like down, uh background stuff during like the downtime that's that's gonna happen after you guys finish up the menagerie. You guys are already halfway done, at least combat wise. I'm excited. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and then Tony, Tessara, and Ethy. Okay, um, I don't really know where to start, because, like, um, pretty much with how it comes to Tessara, is she, they, I don't know whether it's she, they, whatever, are so all the pronouns. stupid. All the pronouns you mentioned. Man, all the pronouns. But they're just so stupid. Like, they're 10 years old, technically. Because, you know, that's no, they're, how... they're literally 10 years old. Yeah, they're t- they're literally ten years old because they just kind of came into the world because some druids summoned them and just went hey and then they went oh guess I'm here now yeah so they're literally just ten years old and they it's <laughs> again hard to explain like they've seen some stuff in the ten years that they've been alive so they want to like help people because it just makes sense to them and like mm. Ethy's just one of the people that they wanted to help and that they did help uh, pretty much I don't I think how Ethy met. Tessara was just, I think we just decided that they just kind of did. How it happened was Tessara was in like a- Tessara found him? Yeah, Tessara found the egg and then it hatched like immediately after and Drake's imprint upon the first creature they see. So it was like, oh, hey, friend. Uh, that's kind of how it happened. Yeah, it pretty much just went, wow, I uh, guess I, you own me now. Uh. <laughs> Red is written, fun fact. Read uh, how the adventure was, is, is written in the book, uh, and again, I try to run it true to form, but make slight tweaks because, like, this is an actual play of the of that adventure path. Wild Empathy couldn't actually do anything against the animals because um, they were supposed to start off hostile instead of unfriendly, and Wild Empathy can only make it to uh, indifferent at best unless you critically succeed, in which case it's friendly. Uh, how I ruled it is that they're hostile to everyone except for druids. Or people who have wild empathy. So basically, I, I would allow Tessara to actually use their class features. Um. <laughs> yeah, Ethy is just very important to them. I guess I don't know. I don't really know how to like describe them because they're just so stupid. <laughs> basically, babies all around, and then trauma, but also sometimes babies. Babies, trauma, trauma, babies. Actually, um, 
We have um, commissions out right now. Um, three from Fruit Runes, and then one is completed from Beidus, and I still need to contact them about getting the about getting Aliara and then Tessar and Ethi. But we have portraits that are fi- almost finished up, um, which will be posted on the Facebook. Sorry, if you guys want to know kind of what like my character Aliara looks like, basically Tigress, but like I imagine maybe a little bit more muscly, just like a little bit more muscly and with more beard on the face. How I describe? Like the like the cat beard, not like a like a yeah, like a cat beard. beard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not yeah, yeah. beard. It'd be kind of funny if human beard though. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> okay, so uh, the only one that's not finished up yet is the Leshy, uh, which is um, Tessara. Tessara. Yeah, I'm still getting, because we only meet like every like two weeks. Um, it's I'm still like getting a handle on everyone, even though this is the fifth episode. Anybody else have anything they want to add? Are we supposed to talk about, have we ever talked about um, our thingies for being detectives or not detectives or? Our motives? Or is that some, I don't know what the word is. Motivation uh, for being a poet? That thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Aliara can talk about that. I mean, you um, can if you want to, like, have, like, the whole secret thing just be out there. I was just wondering if we had said that or if that was a secret. It, it, it depends on the character. Let's see. But um, we can say what, um, what guard forces you originally from. Uh, so, Aliara was from the Sleepless Suns, Sleepless I believe. Sleepless Suns, yep. In the Sleepless foreign quarter. Sun. Yep. Do, do either of you two remember which ones you guys were in? Nope. No. <laughs> Perfect. I was just looking, but I didn't see it because I'm slow. It might. It's it's your background, so it's going to be in the roll twenty. So sleep the suns. Uh, I know Tony's character is a member of the Postern Guard, or was, and then I don't remember who Karitas. Oh, wasn't wasn't oh, Karitas the cloak? Yeah, yeah, the gray cloak, the godless gray cloaks. Yeah, that's right. What about the godless gray cloak? Oh no, that's just what your what your character was originally in. Because the Edgewatch is pulling from other places. Yeah, that was asking if those are what we can ask about. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like motivation for joining the guard in the first place. No, I meant godless gray coke and that thing. Oh, yeah. Oh. Anyway, and then uh, Tony's character, Tessara, was from the Poston Guard, which is like the most prestigious one, but also like the, the most layabout one. Yeah, uh, I don't really... I think I said everything that I've wanted to say. I mean, yeah, I usually don't have much to say anyway, so... Oh, the one uh, final thing I wanted to say uh, was the motivation of NPCs in Pathfinder versus in Dungeons & Dragons. In Dungeons & Dragons, the only NPCs that are typically fleshed out a whole lot are those that you encounter all the time, like Strahd in Curse of Strahd. Strahd is, like, the, the titular vampire character. Whereas in, like, Pathfinder, like, every NPC you guys have come across has had some form of motivation. Whether um, it was like, oh yeah, this character is like this, versus uh, this character is actually reeling from the trauma of etc. Or this character, or like for like recurring characters, there's like a full one to three page spread in the back of the book about them. Yeah. Um, like the voices' motivations, um, all those motivations, etc. The main bad guy's motivations. Speaking of guesses, uh, do you guys think that you guys have met the main bad guy of this book yet? No. No. <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. I don't know, the way you word it make me think we did. Unless the main bad guy is Hotman, no. Unless it was Hotman, that's a good point. I'm not gonna say either or, I'm just gonna ask at the beginning of every book, do you think you've met the main bad guy of this book yet? That sort of thing. It'll probably be no each time for me. That's valid. Whoop. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's what's-his-face's dad guy or whatever. Dad? Oh, the math. What? Not, well, not dad. Oh, Eunice's- Eunice's- yeah, yeah, him. 
Kamenelis. Oh. Not the Doctor Who one. Yeah. Well, that'd be cool. The only sus person that I can think of. I don't know. I'm pretty sus of mean sergeant man. I mean, the voices. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's that's the mean sergeant man. Well, uh, I think that concludes today's episode. Um, again, as I've said, as we've said like three times, if you want to donate, donate. If you don't want to donate, that's fine. Spread the word if you like the we podcast. It. Yeah. Thanks for joining me, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Treasure Podcast is property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder Second Edition and the Agents of Edgewatch Adventure Path are property of Paizo. For more information on the former, reach out to us at phantasmaltreasure at gmail.com, www.facebook.com forward slash phantasmaltreasure, or tweet at us at phantasmalpod. For more information on Pathfinder Second Edition or the Agents of Edgewatch Adventure Path, visit www.paizo.com. If you wish to financially support us, please head over to co-fi.com uh, co forward slash phantasmaltreasure. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in two weeks.